Welcome to the Green Acres podcast. At Green Acres, we strive to transform lives with the truth of Jesus. Today's message comes from Pastor Michael Gossett. Everybody awake? All right. Hey, I have really been uh, enjoying this series with all of you as we study what the church is about, what the church is. And today we are going to talk about what a distinct symbol really is. Like, what does it mean uh, to have a distinct symbol? What are these uh, distinct symbols? Uh, Because Jesus gives us two. He gives us two ordinances that he says, these are going to be the symbols that identify you, that mark you as my people. You know, this is nothing really new for God. This is nothing new to the New Testament. This has been done also throughout the Old Testament that God's people have always had the ability by God's grace and by God's design to be marked through certain symbols. In the Old Testament, they had certain symbols for the assembly of what would set them apart from other nations. And for us, we have two symbols that sets us apart. And those two ordinances that are ordained by God are baptism and the Lord's Supper, communion. And this is, these are two symbols that God uses to set the church apart. You know, symbols just in society in general uh, have this unique way about them to rally people together and rally people around them. I'm not sure if you know about this symbol or not, but there is probably one of the most important, if not the most important symbol in Oklahoma, especially Oklahoma City, is nothing more than an American elm. It's just a tree. And you would think, okay, well, this tree must be huge. I mean, you must be, this tree must be something really special that is a special type of breed of tree or whatever it could be, right? But, but no, if you were to just look at the tree, then there's nothing really special about it. There's nothing even unique about it. But there is this, something special that did take place with this tree. And it was in the midst of a tragedy that this tree really became symbolic because it was on um, April 19th of 1995 at 9.02 a.m. that uh, this terrorist called Timothy McVeigh parked a rider truck with a 4,800-pound bomb right in front of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building in downtown Oklahoma City. Did you know this terror terrorist attack, it killed 168 people, injured almost 100, around 150 people. Uh, The governor put out a statement that said that because of this tragedy, that 30 children became orphans and that 7,000 people lost their workspace. 462 people were left homeless. And the, and the tragedy in the statistic goes on and on and on about the effects of it. And this one tree that was in front of this building, when the explosion went off, it just destroyed this tree completely. I mean, I have a picture of it uh, right here. I mean, this is what the tree looked like, just blown to pieces. What was left of the tree, they ended up having to um, even... Uh, destroy even further because they had to extract evidence out of this tree. But then it was later that this tree started to bloom again. 
And everybody, when they never once noticed the tree before the bombing, nobody ever noticed this tree. It was just a tree that they could park their car under for shade. It's just a, a tree that you can have a picnic under for shade. But then when they saw this, this tree that went from obvious death and somehow it had life again, people knew that there was something special about this. It became a symbol of hope. It became a symbol of new life. The people of Oklahoma, especially in Oklahoma City, um, they started to rally around this tree, identifying with this tree, helping them understand, helping them grieve, helping them cope with what was going on and say, listen, even though this has happened, I still have hope. Look, even this dead tree has new life. And you know what? This is what God has given us in baptism. This is what God has given us in the Lord's Supper. And just as people were rallying around this tree, you and I have something much greater to rally around. That when we get to see people walk through the waters of baptism, we see people taking a step, not because of the water, but because of what it symbolizes, what it means. That people are taking a step from death into life. Church, this is something that you and I, that we must rally around. I want to read to us what Paul says about baptism in Romans chapter 6. And you can stay right where you are because today's a little different, okay? But I want to read to you, if you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 6, it says this, starting in verse 1. Paul makes this statement and he asks this question. He says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for us. God, we ask right now, Heavenly Father, would you speak to us? God, would you stir in our hearts in a very unique way today? God, we are asking Jesus, if you would see it fit, God, would you pour your spirit out on us so that we may hear from you, 
God, that we could have clarity from you, that we could be drawn into your presence, and God, that we could experience you like never before. We're asking in the name of Jesus, the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ, amen. You know, symbols are unique, but they're not the object itself. Symbols, their only job is to point to the reality or the essence of something else. That's what symbols do. It's not the object itself, but rather it is pointing to the object that it is representing or that it is uh, trying to identify with. And this is the same thing with the ordinances. It is the same thing with baptism. See, what we understand about baptism is that baptism is a profession of faith. It symbolizes this profession of faith. You know, people ask me all the time, hey, why does Green Acres, why do they not baptize infants? Why do they not do that at this church? Well, listen, I want to say first and foremost that if, if you grew up in the church that you were a part of, that you were even baptized as an infant or you were sprinkled as a baby and that was your baptism, listen, there, there's nothing evil about those things, okay? So don't hear that. What we are doing as a church family is that we want to build on the faith that, that God himself, through your parents, has already initiated in that baptism. But, but what we want to do as a church body and as a church family is that we want to do everything in our power to align with his word. We want to align with what God has said. We want to align with what Jesus has told us to be about. And when we look at the ordinances, when we look at baptism specifically in the New Testament, we see this over and over and over and over again, that it is a profession of faith, and then you get baptized. I tell people all the time when they ask me this question, I say, listen, you want your baptism on the right side of your salvation. This is what Jesus expects of us. As a marker of God's people, it would, it would not make sense. It would be a logical fallacy for us to think that, okay, well, if it is a marker of God's people, then um, if I get baptized before I belong to God's people or belong to his family, then we're getting it out of line a little bit. And so what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, when he is giving the disciples the great commission, and he says to his disciples, he says, listen, all authority under heaven and on, on earth has been given unto me. He's basically, he's telling his disciples, listen, I am setting you up with my authority. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And then he says this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And then he makes his final promise. He says, listen, and not only have I given you my power, but I'm also going to be with you until the end of the age. Pretty great statement from Jesus. But right there, we can understand that you make disciples, okay? You um, evangelize, okay? You go and uh, gather disciples, bring them into the fold of God, baptizing them. 
Okay, meaning then baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is setting this up for us to understand that baptism is symbolizing a profession of faith, a profession of identifying with Jesus Christ himself. Paul even goes further than Romans chapter 6. He says this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. He says, for those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. So here's what Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 3. He says, listen, if you have been baptized into Christ, it is only because you have been clothed by Christ. Now, this clothing here is really tied to the Old Testament in the way that they would set up and have covenants between one another. If you have a covenant between another brother or sister, then uh, it would be a normal practice of the day to exchange robes with them, okay, to have some type of exchangement of robes, meaning that, hey, uh, when people look at you, they will recognize my robe with you or on you, meaning that, listen, we're in a covenant together, okay? We belong together. We're on the same side together. This is what Jesus does for you. He says this, when you come to him, When you are saved by Jesus himself, he says, listen, I'm going to take your filthy, wicked, sinful, torn, and beaten, and ragged robe, and I'm going to give you my pure, my righteous, my clean, and I'm going to give you that robe so that you can have. I'm going to exchange robes with you. And so when people look at you, when people... um, Uh, watch you as you walk around town. They're going to see my robe, not your robe. They're going to be able to see that you belong to Jesus. Listen, this is what Paul is saying. Listen, when you come through the waters of baptism, it is not so that you can gain the robe of Christ. It is because you already have the robe of Christ, meaning that he has clothed you in righteousness. And because he went to the cross for you, because he went to the Calvary for you, because he was um, killed on a hill, most likely in front of the hill, but we're not going to get into that right now, okay? But, but because that he went to Calvary on your behalf, you have the first step of obedience that you're going to walk through the waters of baptism for him. Why? See, this is what symbolism kind of does to us sometimes, okay? Th- this is our tendency, is that because it is only a symbol, what that means is it doesn't really matter. Because it's only a symbol, that means that it's just pointing people to Jesus, and it's just pointing people to the fact that I have been saved. Therefore, it's not a big deal whether I do it or not. Listen, if it wasn't a big deal, Jesus wouldn't have given us only two ordinances. He gave us two ordinances that we are to be about to set us apart as him so that when you step into the waters of baptism, you are identifying with the life of Jesus Christ. And then there's two movements that take place. First, you see um, that it it shows a faith in Christ over sin and death. Shows faith in Christ over sin and death. Do you see this visual here that when you step into the water, you're saying, I belong to Jesus, okay? When you go under the water, immersed, this is what we see throughout Scripture, 
Baptizo is that you are to immerse, be immersed in the water so that you may come out of the water. And when we are immersed in the water, what we are identifying with is the death of Jesus. Listen, this is what he says in Romans chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. It is We are identifying with this freedom from sin and death because of the death that Jesus died on your behalf that you and I, all we get to do is that we get to step into the water of his suffering We get to step into the water of his agony. We get to step into the water, and you and I, what we feel is the refreshment of the water, even though that Jesus had to feel the agony and the pain of what it took to satisfy the wrath of a holy God. And praise be to Jesus that we don't stay down in the water. You know why? Because Jesus didn't stay down in the grave that he was risen from the dead on your behalf, conquering sin, conquering death, conquering the world, conquering everything that you and I have to face, that all of humanity faces. And when you come up out of the water, it is a celebration of life. It is not a memorial of what was. It is a celebration, according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. He says that you are now walking in the newness of life. Paul says it in Romans chapter 6, a newness in life. And so it's not just death and sin, but it's also the fact that you have faith in Christ for freedom and life, that you have been freed from the sin that enslaves you. You have been freed from the sin, that type of life. He says the old self has passed away and the new has come. Why? Because Jesus is victorious over death. Jesus is victorious over the grave. And his crucifixion and his resurrection is what we are symbolizing as God's people. So every single time that somebody walks through these waters of baptism, it is not for us to be uh, just kind of laid back a little bit like, oh man, that's really nice. No, you and I must understand that it is a reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for every single one of us. And now we get to celebrate a new member of someone who has surrendered to Jesus Christ, that they have walked into a new life with him, that the old for them is gone. And now they belong to this body of believers. This is what is so special about baptism. But I'm going to tell you, there's no better way to celebrate baptism than to celebrate baptism. So I'm going to invite my brothers and sisters who are making a statement of faith today to go ahead and start making their way down. And as they are, as they are doing so, I, I, I want you to just be in prayer. Before we even go through these baptisms... Right where you are, I want you to be in prayer. God, what are you wanting to show me today? Uh, Listen, I dare you to pray that right now. God, what do you want to show me today? I, I dare you to pray that. God, what do you want to speak to me about today? This is what I tell people every time. Y'all go ahead. Y'all can come over here and line up. But this is what, this is what I, I tell people every single time um, when they get baptized. 
I tell them, hey, listen, the clearest proclamation of the gospel today is your baptism. It's not me preaching. It's not us singing. The clearest proclamation of the gospel today is their baptism. Why? Because we see the visual. Listen, God was always teaching. Jesus was always teaching through visuals so that we can see what God means. We can see what Jesus means about having new life in him. And so I want you all to celebrate with us right now as we celebrate this new life. Right now we have our brother Bennett Real. Bennett is six. He's in first grade at Brown Elementary. And y'all know Shelly and Chance, Truett, Jace right here. And friends and family are here. And Bennett has made a profession of faith that he wants to give his life to Jesus and that he is ready to be baptized. And so mom and dad walked with him through that along with our kids, Pastor Dustin. And it's time. So Bennett, I have a question for you. Are you being baptized today because Jesus is the Lord of your life? Yes. It is because of that public profession of faith that your dad gets to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk and newness of life. And next we have Sarah Nash coming. You got it. And y'all know Dustin here. And so I just got to tell y'all, so Sarah came forward after the first service, after preaching through baptism and the ordinances, and she said, it's time right now for me to be baptized. And so she's getting baptized right now. Sarah was saved when she was younger. And she just hasn't taken this step of obedience. And she said, today's the day. So Sarah, are you being baptized because Jesus is the Lord of your life? I am. It is because of that public profession of faith that Dustin's going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Next, we have Lily Kate Rowland. She's being baptized. Oh, we got it. By Mr. Chris right here. And I just want to ask you, Lily Kate, are you being baptized today because Jesus is the Lord of your life? Yes. It is because of your public profession of faith that your dad gets to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Awesome. Next, we have Lucy Davis. Got her. Lucy and her family are here, along with Kurt, our student pastor. And this past weekend at the weekend, okay, um, you know, the Lord was stirring in a unique way, and Lucy said, hey, I've been saved. It's time for me to take this step of obedience and be baptized, and so uh, she is being baptized uh, because she has already been saved, and so Lucy, are you being baptized because Jesus is the Lord of your life? 
It is because of that public profession of faith that Kurt gets to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Next, we have Grayson Haygood. And Grayson was led to the Lord by his mom uh, just a couple uh, years ago. And he said that it's time for me to be obedient and walk through the waters of baptism. And so, Grayson, are you being baptized today because Jesus is the Lord of your life? Yes, sir. It is because of that public profession of faith that Kurt gets to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Next, we have coming Glenn Scott. And I've talked to Glenn a couple of times, uh, but also uh, Glenn was just listening to the service this morning, our earlier service, and then he drove up here and said, I need to be baptized. And so, yeah. And so Glenn has given his life to Jesus. And he told me just outside, I mean, right before the service started, he said, listen, I don't want to wait anymore. I've been stalling this. I haven't been obedient. I'm ready to walk with the Lord in full obedience. And that's why he's here today. And so, Glenn, I'm going to ask you, are you being baptized because Jesus is the Lord of your life? It is because of that public profession of faith that Kurt gets to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism. Grace to walk in newness of life. Amen. You can be seated. I hope we never lose the awe of what Christ really has done for us. And, and to walk through the waters of baptism and then to give that picture of what Jesus did for every single person who would hear, every single person who would believe. And this calling is by grace through faith. So what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. He said that this is how you are saved. There's no works. There's nothing you can do for yourself. It's not anything that you can manufacture on your own. Like you, there's, there's nothing, in, even in your greatest attempts, is just filthiness before God. And yet in the midst of that, he said, but even though you can't do it, and even though that there should be no reason that I should do this for you other than the fact that I just love you. And because I love you, I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to pave the way. And not with just something else. I'm going to do it with my own son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish. 
into eternal damnation. They would not perish into an eternity apart from God, but rather you can have eternal life in Christ Jesus. You know, the Bible makes this so clear and so simple. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, he says, if anyone confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, if anyone would believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Confess and believe. What does it mean to confess? You know, this is really what baptism in the Lord's Supper is all about. See, not one of these ordinances is detached from repentance. That all of this is to draw God's people into repentance, maybe for the first time, and so you walk through the waters of baptism. But for every believer, for every person who calls on the name of the Lord, every person who belongs to the Lord, that your, your life should be marked by repentance. You know, this is really what is happening around the nation right now. That with the Asbury revival, we're seeing it now at Baylor University. We see remnants of it at Baylor. We see remnants of it at Texas A&M right now. And then at Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Listen, we're, we're seeing little revivals pop up all over the place. And guess who is starting with? The next generation. But, but let me remind you of something. The next generation will know Jesus best by the previous generation of their life in Jesus. Every revival, every movement of God, all it is is God's people coming to Jesus. All it is is God's people doing what we're supposed to do, and that is living a life of repentance. You know, the Bible promises this. It's not a gimmick. It's not like the board game of life. If you just throw the dice and maybe it'll work out this way, maybe it won't. No, listen, this is what it says. I don't know where because I don't know where I'm at in my notes. This is what it says in 2 Chronicles 7.14. You probably know this verse. But I want to remind us of it because it says, and if, it says, and my people who bear my name, who call themselves, who, call, who are called by my name, they bear the name of the Lord, humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their evil, turn from their wicked ways. Do you know what that is? It's repentance. He says, then I will hear from heaven. 
He says, I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. Listen, if you want to know why there's not revival in America, do you want to know why there are small portions of revival and not sweeping across America right now? Is it's because God's people are not living a lifestyle of repentance. It is because God's people are not willing to come to the throne of God. They're not willing to come to the cross and say, Jesus, I cannot do this on my own. I need to lay my sin down at your feet. And so, Father, would you heal my heart so that I can be a part of healing this land so that I can be a part of a movement that is bigger than anything that we could ever imagine. Church, don't you desire that? But let me just remind us. Let me just remind us. Listen, across these revivals, listen, if you read about it, if you look at it, listen, revival is nothing weird. Revival is not like a strange work of God. It's a work of God that is common. But in the moments of these special outpourings of God's spirit, you know what it does to God's people? It magnifies the name of Jesus. It intensifies the presence of Jesus. And it accelerates the movement of Jesus. This is what is happening across these campuses. This is what is happening. And this is what I've been praying that would happen to my own life. To this church, to my family, and let it begin with us. Listen, all of these altars, listen, when, when you look at what is happening, and listen, people are getting up from their knees after the Spirit is pouring Himself out. They're getting up, and there are just these puddles everywhere across the front of the stage. It's because people are weeping over their sin. God's people, they are reminded of the holiness of God, the goodness of God. They're reminded of their own depravity, their own dependency on God, and all they can do is just cry out to God, and they begin weeping for their sin. They've been they begin weeping for their family. And listen, this is what it takes, church. This is what it looks like to be a repentant body of believers. That every Sunday, every time we gather, every moment that we have, that we should be filling each other up with the goodness of God. And we should be broken over the sinfulness and wickedness within ourselves. And this is what it looks like to turn from our wicked ways. I'm just going to be honest with you. I pray I pray that God would start right here in my own heart. You know why? Because I'm desperate to be used by God. I'm desperate for this church to be used by God. I'm desperate for you to see the truth of Jesus Christ so that you too, so that your life can be transformed by Jesus. You see, these ordinances, when you come to the Lord's table, he says, do not come in an unworthy manner. Some of you, you have not been living obediently. And guess what? Jesus is calling you right now to surrender to him. Some of you, you haven't been obedient to walk through the waters of baptism. You've been saved. But every week, you just have a different excuse of why it should be next week. Listen, no more excuses. No more excuses. It is time for God's people to be obedient. It is time for us to seek God's face, to turn from our wickedness, to turn from our own flesh. 
And so maybe that's you this morning. You know you have been saved and you need to be baptized. Listen, there is no obstacle for you today. We have removed every obstacle. The water is warm. You have shorts for you. We have a t-shirt for you. We have a, a blow dryer for you. Listen, I promise you this, there is nothing in your way today. And I'm going to just make a weird invitation right now. If that's you this morning, you know I need to be baptized. Then I want you to come forward and I want you to be baptized today. We're going to have ministers down here. They're going to be ready for you. And there is no obstacle for you because here's what is interesting about living obediently with Jesus. You know, when we stiff arm obedience in Christ, you know what happens? You are diminishing joy in your life. You're diminishing peace in your life. And maybe that's you, just like those others who heard this morning the the message and they said, I have to be baptized today. They came up here and they were baptized. Maybe that's you right now that you need to be baptized. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for years. But you know that right now you are not ready to receive the Lord's Supper. Like you're not ready because you have not been been living a life of repentance. Today is the day to repent. Do you know what Jesus says? about every disciple. He he says that, listen, every disciple, it is your life to live in repentance. He says it is daily that you deny yourself. That means daily you are denying the flesh and turning to the spirit. He says that you are daily picking up your cross. What that means is that that is what is expected of followers of Jesus for us first to be broken over our sin. Us first leading the way in repentance so that when others see your life, that they are drawn to the presence of Jesus. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by choosing to not obey. Do not quench the Holy Spirit by by being okay with disobedience. Listen, there is no reason to delay obedience any longer. God has removed every obstacle. He has paved a way for you to be saved. He has paved a way for you to come boldly to the throne of grace through the act of repentance by grace through faith. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And I want you to come and respond, whatever you need to do. You come and you respond. If you need to be baptized, if you just need to spend time just praying right here, whatever that is, you respond. Heavenly Father, would you now speak to us? God, would you stir? God, would you show us? Father, what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus, God, would you show us right now even the depth of our own sin? And God, that you would stir, Father, right now. God, would you be gracious to us and reveal yourself. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us today with our church family here at Green Acres Baptist Church. And this invitation is for you. Maybe God is stirring in your heart right now from what you have heard Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Uh, Maybe God is calling you right now for salvation. 
You know, the Bible is very clear that if we uh, confess with our mouth and if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so right now you could pray a very simple prayer and just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and save me. If that's you today, we wanna help you and walk with you with this decision. Maybe for others of you, uh, maybe you've been saved, but maybe you've been waiting to get baptized. Uh, maybe you need to figure out what it means to be a member of our church here at Green Acres. Whatever that decision is, we wanna come alongside you. And so do us a favor. You can fill out the connect card at gabc.org and one of our team members will be with you very shortly. Whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, we wanna walk with you in your growth in Jesus Christ. I look forward to hearing from you soon.